For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exist, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. It is blustery out there. It is blustery out there. Snow everywhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My it, fam- my family got it. So Arkansas got it yesterday. Oh, did they? They got snow? Yeah. So we are, we are getting our chance with it today. Did they like shut down society? Like, yeah. Like is everything like... Of course, man. They don't have the infrastructure for it. It's so funny because like I'm finding this winter in particular, like we had a good little storm at Christmas time. It was more about the wind than the snow itself. Yeah. Really? But this whole, this constant thing of like, because people brought it up at youth group last night. They're like, oh, they're going to, they're, they're already saying they're going to cancel the buses tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I hadn't heard anything. I don't follow the weather mm-hmm. news so much uh, just because I feel like it's sensationalized a bit. And it was again, like, I mean, we got a couple inches. It's it's coming down, but like at least right now. But like, honestly, back in my day, not that I'm that old, but like we, this was nothing. Like we used to get multiple storms of multiple feet every winter, right? And like that would shut stuff down. Okay, so here's so here's the difference. Okay, here's I'm gonna make an argument for the difference, right? Okay, uh, one when you said back in my day, it reminded me of this amazing um, meme that talks about how today. Schools send out mass text messages to cancel school. They said, back in my day, we had to watch the bottom of the screen scroll by like the NBA draft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please be on the list. Please be on the right, list. Please. Right, yes, right. let's go. You see all the schools around you. Uh, uh, wait, wait, what happened? Where's yeah. mine? I'd be in like, so I, I grew up in the, the Catholic school system. So like sometimes the public system would shut and the Catholic wouldn't or vice yeah. versa. And it'd always be a bummer. It would be a bummer if like, if you still had to go to school and... And like the public school kids didn't. You know? Yeah, I grew up rural enough. Uh, I grew up rural enough that we we bust kids in from a long ways out. Right. And if they couldn't run the buses, they weren't going to open school. Okay. So here, sometimes they'll do the. They'll just be like, "Hey, we're having school, but we're not buses. sending out the buses." Right. Which is beautiful for the teachers, I'm sure. Right. Like, oh, good, half my class is here, and I've got to do something meaningful with them today that everyone else is behind on. Uh, but anyway. Uh, the the difference is this: when the ground stays cold, mm. snow's not a big deal, mm-hmm. right? You just blow it out of the way and you keep going. The problem is when the ground warms up and the snow falls on it, and then the air temperature is cold and it refreezes, right? Yeah, and it that, makes the road slick, yeah, right. And so that's kind of the situation out there today. It's not been a cold winter for us. No, the last couple of snowstorms that we have haven't really been storms. I'll grant you that. It's been that bad, anyways. But the ground's been warm enough to make the roads slippery. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality in the right. south, right? Mm-hmm. So the the roads are always warm, right? And when the snow falls, you instantly get ice. Yeah, it's like a so, skating rink all of a sudden, right? So I grew up with this notion of like, oh, Southerners just don't know how to drive on it, and they, oh, it's a panic thing and all that stuff. It's just. It's the same thing here, mm. except we have snow tires. That's true. But when when the uh, roads are warm and the snow hits, mm-hmm. it's a different thing than it is at the end of February when it's been double digits minus yeah. for highs yeah. over the last month. And I, I was actually reminded of how grateful I am for my snow tires uh, the other day. Yesterday, was it yesterday? No, Monday, when I was uh, going to Woodstock for my great-grandfather's funeral. I was going kind of down a side road and this massive truck pulling some huge piece of equipment was mm-hmm. turning left where I was. So I kind of like pull over to the side to give him room. 
but he still didn't have enough room. Still, enough, so I'm like, I'm kind of going, 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 and all of a sudden, my front right wheel, Ooh. I feel it drop down into the ditch, and it's a pretty steep one. Ooh. And I'm like, oh shoot, like, am I gonna like roll this car into the <laughs> ditch because I'm getting out of the way for this truck? Thankfully, all wheel drive and snow tires. As soon as he yep. got by, I just gave her and I got right out of there. But I was like, whew. if I was still driving the cube, would have been done. Yeah. Just done. <laughs> yeah. So thankfully, I got a slightly bigger vehicle. So, anyways, we've talked about All right. About... So let's move from snow to weeds. Okay. Nice. You Tra- like that? Nice transition. Yeah. There, because Tim. today's weedy. It is. I, this is a disclaimer I'm going to throw out. Today is super philosophical. Mm-hmm. We're, I, I would even argue, we're only covering it. Because we're continuing the discussion on, is there any proof for God? Right. In doing that, we want to talk about all the schools of thought mm-hmm. that would prove God. Mm-hmm. This happens to be one of them. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't argue that it's the strongest. I don't think it's as strong as the cosmological argument. Um, if a person doesn't get it, that's fine. Sure. It doesn't mean that God doesn't exist or that you can't suggest that God exists. <laughs> right. It doesn't need to stand on its own right. as a proof. Nope. It is an option. It's a tool in the toolbox. Super abstract. So kind if you're of. if you're doing this while you're cooking dinner or driving down the road or <laughs> hanging sheetrock in your basement, Gilles. Uh <laughs> he's always hanging something. This this might be a tough one to follow. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but then again, I, I I guess what I don't want to do is I don't want people to hear this one and go, ooh, if that's what the Apologetics podcast is, mm-hmm. I'm not in for that. Today's a, a different kind of day. Yeah, I would say like even including yesterday's discussion, or last week's discussion rather, and the one before, like we're kind of dealing with some of the headier stuff right out of the gate. Cause, yeah. Because again, there's different ways that we could have approached all the different themes and things, but like the the philosophical angle is kind of this like intangible thing, but a bit of a foundation, at least for how we think, mm-hmm. right? Right, and so I think we're we're gonna get to more concrete stuff, yeah. As as things move on, but we're we're getting some of these big big ones out of the way. So if you're struggling to keep up, don't yeah, don't feel bad. Right, and my my point for setting it out this way is to say, if we're if any other argument we make when we start getting into specific things later on, any argument we we make could be attacked with. Yes, but you're assuming the existence of God. Right. Right? At which point, through the year, people are going to be like, "Eh, but that's kind of true. Right? So, if we take the five schools of the proofs of God, Mm -hmm. and we lay them out, then when someone says, but you're presuming, you're assuming the existence of God, we can, with confidence, say, of course I am. Right. And here are five different reasons why. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So that's that's the foundation that everything else builds on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so last week we talked about the cosmological argument. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to be talking about the ontological argument. So ontology is just the philosophical term for the study of the nature of being and existence. Right. What does it mean to exist and and be a thing? And and it, so it's kind of taking that angle to argue for the existence of God. And in particular, the ontological argument was formulated, I mean, not to say that people didn't have any of these ideas before this, but there was a, a, a monk, he was a monk at the time, he ended up becoming 
archbishop, and his name was Anselm of Canterbury. Mm-hmm. So he was a Burgundian who ended up in England because right around the end of the 11th century, a whole bunch of people who lived in the north of France decided to take over England. They were called the Normans, William the Conqueror and all that fun stuff. And and Anselm was kind of part of that movement right. into England. And he was a monk, but he was also a philosopher. And the question, again, the, the, the big question that we have that we're, we're still handling is, how can we know that God exists? Mm-hmm. Right? And what Anselm is essentially going to say, if we can like distill it down to like its most... Um, finite way of expressing it it's he would say that if it's possible that god exists then it follows that god does exist right because it's possible that he exists he must exist mm-hmm. and if you're hearing that for the first time you're thinking what right but or or for the tenth time or yeah but, because it's it's a it's weedy there's a long chain to get to there we're right? gonna get there yeah we're gonna get there but essentially just as a starting point if it's possible that god exists then logically, God does exist. Yeah, and, and I would say, I, I would say, if I was going to summarize it, I, I would say that it's weedy to the point that it can't have one summary. No, yeah, no. So I, I would say that would be one of my summaries, mm-hmm. and the other one would be somebody's got to be the top. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like that too. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah you yeah. know that that whole thing like there's always someone out there who's better. Right. Well, eventually you run to the end of that chain. Sure. And eventually there's not someone mm-hmm. who's better. And that person, according to Anselm, is God. Yeah. By the so, nature of the fact that they're better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So so again, the, the kind of historical way that this has been phrased is that God is that than which no greater can be conceived. So, so God is a being that is like, he's the greatest thing that you can imagine. Right. Right? In, in Ducks are good. Ways. Yeah. Ducks are good. Dogs are probably better. Agreed. I guess we just go with cats. Cats are cats are fine. Dogs are better. Agreed. Right? Even though I'm not a dog owner and a cat owner. I agree. <laughs> uh, people, even greater. Exactly. Keep working our way up the scale. There has to be a greatest. Mm. That would be going. Yeah. So, the again, keep in mind, when we're talking philosophy, we're still talking general revelation. Mm-hmm. We're not really getting into the Bible special revelation. Again, we're, we're laying this kind of philosophical foundation, but the, the term that we might use, and again, I'm throwing a lot of words out here, but just track with me, a maximally great being. I love that term. Maximally great. Right. So How great? To the maximum. To the max. To the max, yeah. So he is great in every possible way to the maximum degree, mm-hmm. okay? If something was greater than God, then that thing would be God. Sure. Right? Uh, All-powerful, all-knowing, morally perfect. Okay? We'll stick with those three. The omnis. The omnis. Omnipotent, omniscient, and omnibenevolent. I almost messed that one up. Right. Um, And so here's where things get weird here's where we go into a little sci-fi kind of thing right so for this being to Mm -hmm. be maximally great he would also have to be the maximally greatest being in all possible worlds right and so 
to build parameters around the philosophical concept of possible worlds. This isn't uh, the infinite universe. The metaverse. Of, right, infinite universe <laughs> of infinite universes kind right, of thing right, that right. people want to talk about. Uh, it, it is just to say, every time we make a decision, we change what has taken place in this mm -hmm. world, mm -hmm. right? There was a pitcher full of coffee in the fridge. You and I each poured a cup and threw it in the microwave. There is now less coffee in the pitcher than there was. Mm -hmm. There is a possible world where you and I would have not poured coffee from that pitcher. Right. And there would be more coffee in the pitcher right. than there is in the actual world. Right, 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 right. right. And so, so the, the all possible worlds thing is to say, regardless of any decision or any happening that has ever take, taken place across the, the span of time, right. or that could have taken place, yes. this maximum being would still be the maximum. Yes. Right? So, let... Australia is the supreme ruler of a specific island. It is possible that other places could have conquered Australia and sure. been the supreme ruler of that island. Right. In order for it to be God, you'd have to be like, there is no possible way anyone ever could be the owner of that island except for Australia. Mm. No other scenario. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So... So again, so that this being, this maximally great being would have to be maximally great in all possible worlds, which means that the events and the different potential timelines that could have played out are not going to impact this nope. maximally great being. Because he's beyond it. And so if he exists in every possible world, then he must exist in the actual world. Right. That's where we're going. Okay? Because, and this is, this is good logic, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're going to say, no, he, I, can, I can imagine that a supreme being who was all-powerful would not be taken down by anything in any possible world mm -hmm. because he's all-powerful. Right. He's greater. Right. Right? Which means that would include this world. Right. The world that actually plays out. Right. And so here's the thing that the the true atheist, because remember, most atheists aren't actually true atheists if you push them, mm -hmm. but the true atheist has to argue not only that God doesn't exist, but that he couldn't possibly exist in any possible world. There's just no way, there's no hope, there's no, no scenario mm -hmm. where God could ever have existed in any right. theoretical world. That is, that's the onus that's on them. Right. Right? That That's what... That's what Anselm would say. That's what, you know, more recent guys like Plantinga and Lane, William Lane Craig would say, and I would agree. Mm -hmm. Although it is it is a bit of a trap because arguing that something couldn't be is in and of itself some philosophical gymnastics. Sure. We Yeah. We, there's the whole idea of the necessary being that we talked about last week. This is how these things don't, like when... Just a, a bit of a callback to last week's episode when when um, Thomas Aquinas mm -hmm. puts together his cosmological argument. It was like a hundred years or more after Anselm, but he didn't he didn't love Anselm's argument, so he made the cosmological one. But this is where these two things actually can 
harmonize and come mm-hmm. together. They're not in conflict with one another. Right. It's like, well, how do you get to the necessary being of God? Well, we have a, you know, we have things that kind of fill out the gaps and and kind of come together to to paint this beautiful picture. Yep. So, there's two ways that things can exist, okay? Here we go. Things could exist purely in our own minds. Mm-hmm. Imagination, right? I can imagine, you know, my imagination are unicorns and dragons. Okay. Dude, I have the word unicorn has come up so much. Comes up so much in this conversation. I know. I know. F- fun fact for everyone. Uh there's a mistranslation in the King James Bible <laughs> <laughs> that, they, that they translated a word to unicorn. <laughs> is it numbers? I can't remember where it is, but they translated some kind of name for an animal that was probably like a rhino or something into unicorn. And and out of that, the national animal of Scotland is a unicorn, which I just, I just love that, that the Scots would do that. Yeah, it's numbers 23, 22, mm-hmm. and 24, 8. Yeah. And yeah, that's even in the modern King James. Yeah, like, yeah. Not the new King James, but yeah, yeah, the, if you bought a King James recently. Yeah, you're going to find the word there. unicorn. Unicorns don't actually exist, as far as we know. But they can exist in our minds. They do exist. In, in our they imagination. They exist in your minds. Yeah. So there's, so there's things that can exist just in our minds. There's also things that can exist in our minds and also in reality. Sure. Okay. Just because you dreamed it up doesn't mean it couldn't be real. In any truly good thing, any good thing that we can imagine, like a unicorn, beautiful, majestic, lily white unicorn with the thing on its head and, and maybe it, you know, maybe it can talk like a person. I don't know. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. <laughs> any truly good thing that we can imagine in our minds would be better. Just sorry. Do you remember Charlie the Unicorn? That's like old school YouTube. <laughs> That's a callback, dude. Okay. So, I don't know why that hit me. Okay. Anyways. I guess when you said they talk. So any 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 true <laughs> I don't know why I even said that. Any any truly good thing that we can imagine in our minds, if it's good, if it's a good thing, it would be better. If it also existed in reality. Yeah. Right? Cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers are a great example of this. Imagine the best cheeseburger. Mm -hmm. You know what would be better? If it's on a plate in front of you. Exactly. Right? Okay. So, if God is the greatest thing that we can imagine, the only way for that thing, God, the maximally great being, to be better would be for him to actually be real and exist. Yeah. So, non-existence is a limitation on the greatness Right. So and he, if he's maximally great, he breaks all bounds that would limit his greatness, including mm-hmm. existence. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and so, so the concept, the concept, the idea of an all-powerful, all-knowing, morally perfect being, it's not illogical. Like mm-hmm. we can make sense of that. It's it's maybe to some degree. It's I mean totally grasping. It might be a little bit beyond us. But the idea of a being that knows all things and can do all things, and is good all the time, it, it's co- it's a coherent idea, right? We're not right. talking about a square circle. Right. Here's why I say this, because there was a French monk at the time of Anselm's life called Ganil- Gaunillo, unfortunate name, Gaunillo. Anyways, he tried to disprove Anselm's argument, right? He's like, well, what if I just want to imagine a maximally great island, mm-hmm. a perfect paradise where I can you know, swim in the ocean and ski in the mountains and have all the food I want, like right, this, this idea of this perfect island, right? He's like, just because I can think of this great island 
doesn't mean it exists, which is fair. Sure. Right? We can conceive in our minds. How about this, Tim? The perfect ice cream sundae. Think of the perfect ice cream sundae. It doesn't necessarily exist, but that argument, it it fails to grasp the heart of what Anselm is getting at. Because, it's, a perf- because it's too direct. Because a perfectly great ice cream sundae is not the same thing as a perfectly great being. The ice cream right. sundae or the island doesn't have qualities that are truly great in the same way as God. Right. Your ice cream sundae could be too big. Right. You couldn't finish it. It would spoil. It could always have another topping. Right. Or it could have too many. Right. So what? what is that limit? That is relative to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Your idea of the perfect Sunday might be different than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not existentially maximally great because I have the capacity to reduce it. Right. With a simple spoon. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. It's not even clear like what qualities would make it great. You know, what kind of ice cream are we talking? What sorts of toppings? How much of each? And all mm-hmm. that, this stuff, right? Same with the island. Same with whatever, whatever thing you want to insert there. Mm-hmm. So what I mentioned before, the maximally great thing has to exist in all possible worlds. Well, that's not necessarily true for an ice cream sundae. Mm-hmm. What if there was a possible world where we'd never domesticated cows and dairy doesn't exist? Sure. Right? I mean, maybe if you're lactose intolerant, that's a good thing and you want sherbet instead, but come on. Nobody actually actually likes sherbet better. No. Candace at one point was like buying this like coconut ice cream. She's like, oh, it's like just as good as regular. It's, no, not, it's not. It's not. It's not. It never is. Nope. If the best thing you can say about your food is it's almost as good as the food that you like, mm-hmm. what you're saying is... It's not as good as the food you like. <laughs> it's what I'd rather be doing. Right. right. It's like with all the fake, the, the meat substitutes, like oh, yeah. it almost tastes like a real burger. It almost tasted like the thing that you actually wanted for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> spicy. It is. So, okay. So this, the idea, like, as we said, the idea of this all knowing, all powerful, morally perfect being, it's not nonsense. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Anselm's ontological argument says that if God could possibly exist, then he actually does exist. That's how we get back to right where we started. It's, it's it was it was a bit of a journey to get there. <laughs> it's a journey to get there. I I I think in this bizarre way, it's a greater journey to recap it. Yeah, we have to because we have to break <laughs> we have to break it down again because right. Yeah, no, for sure. So, mm. if it's possible, mm-hmm. then it is possible. Mm-hmm. Here's here's the thing with the ontological argument. Uh, and and again, I think it's good to point out these are general revelation. Mm-hmm. General revelation is limited. Limited means flawed. That's a part of ontology, right? Um, and and you don't have to buy this to believe in the existence of God. Nope. You don't have to. I, I would even note this. Those people who come against Anselm are also monks. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's worth noting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would also point that out again, just to say when everyone when everyone talks about philosophy and they're like, Christians and, and, and all religions, but especially Christians, they just believe everything that's been told to them without actually thinking about it. And uh, we use philosophy because we're smart. And we go back to all of these um, um, monks uh, who were, 
who were Christians <laughs> thinking about these things. Um, and we don't use secular resources because... There weren't any. Those don't exist. Because <laughs> everybody worth their salt, every intellectual worth their salt, acknowledged that God did exist. At the time, took right. It, took it for granted. Right. Right. Nobody, nobody in, in my research this week mm-hmm. cited a source who didn't come to the conclusion that God exists. Mm. In fact, there's one particular source that you and I have both used. We both used it last week and we talked about it. We didn't talk about it this week, but I can tell by some of your examples. Sure. We watched it. Yeah. Very dismissive of the Christian argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, uses very elementary uh, means of dismissing, uh, especially the cosmological argument, but also yeah. the ontological argument. And very passively at the end of his video says, uh, by the way, all of these guys that are right, Anselm's way off base, they, they also believe in God, um, but, but for different reasons, <laughs> right? right? And just like has this, has this acknowledgement that you just, you're like, I think you should sit in that longer, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Instead of just moving on from it so quickly, you should, right. you should sit with that a little bit longer mm-hmm. because he's so dismissive of the church oh, yeah. and, and thought patterns of the church and those kinds of things, as if the church hasn't gifted him the world of philosophy that he knows. Oh yeah, like even the, a lot of like a lot of atheists or agnostics, you know, when they're kind of like where they fit into the worldview, right? Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of people are kind of modern day existentialists. So it's about like what is true is what you experience to be true, and like that's kind of like it's kind of at the heart of a, a lot of our our society, the more mm-hmm. progressive parts of our society. Existentialism, founded by Soren Kierkegaard born again believer so yeah <laughs> it's like they just tweaked it they just ripped the god they just ripped god out of his Kant. his yeah, right yeah so it anyways it's just it's interesting that you know that they go there right and again when you're when you're dealing from when you're we're starting from a place where you're saying right there must not be a god it is impossible for god to like we said in exist in any possible world that is where they're starting from mm-hmm. and so anything that comes to like it just it when I watched that video, it almost was like he's 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 kind of just going through the motions of saying, "Okay, we're going to talk about this thing that this guy came up with, and here we go, and here's what he said, and mm-hmm. here's why I, I'm not there." But he's just very dismissive of the from the beginning, yeah, yeah. And and it's like because well, because obviously I know better than mm-hmm. everyone else who came before me, right. everyone until like you know. Uh, couple hundred years ago um it's you know and now we're so much more enlightened because obviously you know what i mean like it's starting from the premise that like again that that god must not exist in any possible world which is a tough thing to prove right harder thing to prove than than that he he does yeah you because it's it's impossible to prove something couldn't it couldn't exist or doesn't exist Mm -hmm. right that's that's just an accepted thing in philosophy Mm. um the, the interesting thing, you might be hearing this and you think, okay, those are a lot of steps, and I'm sure people that pick it apart just sort of like, there's six different steps, mm. and they just sort of rip away as you go. The truth is, that's not really the case. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, uh, a lot of people will say steps two through six are universally agreed upon. As far as like a logical system. I think there's only one thing that people universally agree on, 
and that is that things aren't exactly right and could be better. Mm-hmm. That's that's my one shot at a a universal, uh, a universally accepted notion. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be bold enough to say that two through six are universally accepted. Yeah. I'm sure someone doesn't because that person's always out there. I watched a guy on YouTube try to go after them, but yeah. they didn't, didn't do a great job. But. So, so two through six then are the ones where we start getting into things like if it's possible that he exists, he has to exist in every world. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a maximally great being exists in some possible world, then, uh, I'm oh, sorry, the number two, I skipped number two. Uh, it, it's po- if it's possible that a maximally great being exists, then a maximally great being exists in some possible worlds. If he exists in some possible worlds, he exists in all possible worlds, is number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he exists in every possible world, then he exists in the actual world because mm-hmm. it is a possible world come sure. to fruition. Sure. Um, and if he exists in the actual world, then... He exists. Right. So therefore, he exists. Right. Right? That flow of argument, to overuse the term, universally accepted. Or generally accepted. Generally accepted. Generally accepted. The one that they don't agree on is, is it possible that a maximally great being exists? Mm -hmm. And that's where they would say no. Right. And argue that the reasoning falls apart. Mm-hmm. But why would you argue that it's not possible mm-hmm. that a maximally great being exists? Yeah. And what I would use to affirm that first point in this argument mm-hmm. is what we talked about last week. Absolutely. Right? So I would say, oh, well, you need an unmovable mover. You need an, uh, you know, a, a, a causer. Right. right. You need you need someone to you need someone or something to start everything. And if it has the power to do that, then that's that's a pretty good case for a maximally great being. And right. that so that's I think where we can kind of we see some harmony between between the arguments. Yeah, and, and that's where one hears the argument of a brother and says, I'm not sold on it. This is how I would fix it. Right? His correction, I think, makes this all the more reasonable, mm-hmm. right? Without the cosmological argument, say, is it possible that a maximally great being exists? I'd say, why not? And sure. I think why not is a, a reasonably sound philosophical argument, even if it doesn't sound profound, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think the cosmological argument tells us not only is it possible, but it appears to be actual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it uses like observation of the universe to cement this more conceptual thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So where would where would we wield the sword of the ontological argument? <laughs> You're walking down the sidewalk mm-hmm. on a summer afternoon. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're on your way to go see the sights around Stratford. You got family visiting in. <laughs> You say, let's go to Rio Thompson's. Okay. Buy mint smoothie. You're going to love it. And as you're walking down the sidewalk, they say, you know, just thinking, I don't believe God exists. Mm. And you're like, well, do you believe that there's a possibility of a maximally supreme being? (laughs) Because if there is, not the right time and place. Right. It's, yeah. 
It's just too bulky for that. Yeah. You could say, so you don't believe he exists. Do you believe that it's impossible that he could exist? Absolutely. And that's that's a kind of accessible way to kind of just kind of to get the conversation started. Yeah. Right? And, and that's where I would say, this is the street value of this. Mm-hmm. If someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, so this is great for people writing books to other book writers. Right. How, how is it ever going to be useful for me? I think it's reasonable at, at the office around the dinner table, walking around the streets to, if you're having a conversation about this and someone says, you know, I'm, I'm agnostic or I'm, I'm an atheist to say, would you at least meet me here? Mm-hmm. There is a possible world where God might exist. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you don't think that that's the case. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to think that it's the case. I'm just saying, is it possible mm-hmm. that this was created? Mm-hmm. And and if they say no, I think why and really mm-hmm. are good questions yeah. to follow up with. And if they say, well, yeah, but mm-hmm. in some ways you've kind of made your point, right? Even getting, getting them to say, yeah, but is progress. Right. Because now they've placed themselves in a situation where they've said, I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they've opened the door to the possibility of this maximally great being, right? Mm-hmm. And again, you might not use those terms or whatever, but then from there you can be like, okay, well, if, if the concept is valid, like if it's like, okay, it's possible that a, a being like that would exist, like where would we even, you know, where would we even come up with that? And, and, and you know, why is that even something that we could imagine, right? Mm-hmm. If there's no way that it could exist. And if we have a sense that, that that type of being could exist, then the, and that's when you kind of start. You you could theoretically start working working through these things. And again, it's it's not going to overcome willful disbelief. It's not a silver bullet. Mm-hmm. It's not a direct proof of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's none of those things. But it's again, it's just a tool in the toolbox. Depending on where the conversation goes and what happens, that you know, this is something that that you could theoretically use. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, if I were if I were in one of those situations and the person was willing to say, Okay, yes, but the 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 but is probably going to be just basing it on common worldview of our time, the but is probably going to be, okay, God could exist, but either not the God of the Bible mm-hmm. or the God that uh, of supreme being a a God could exist, but we know that it's not true because science, mm-hmm. right? In the second case, I would abandon the ontological argument and move on to cosmology, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Yep. I I my next question would be, well, why is there something instead of nothing? Right. Right. Um. And and that's where I would say you don't you don't need to walk all the way through these things. Exactly. Sometimes as an introductory question, that's enough. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it before. Most people are agnostic because they don't want to think about it, mm-hmm. not because they have thought about it. Right. Right. That's a blanket statement. I understand. You might know an exception. Yeah. This is just a general statement. By and large. That is where we're at as a culture. Mm-hmm. They don't want to think about it. And so if you try to walk them through the ontological argument, they're going to be like, 
bro, I didn't want this conversation to begin with. <laughs> what are you doing? Right? Right. right. Uh, and so, and, and also, the argument requires so many defined terms. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, are you talking multiverse when you say possible worlds? Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Yeah. Right? I'm not making an argument for the multiverse. I'm just saying... Theoretically. Theoretically, if a multiverse existed, whatever. Mm-hmm. That all gets so weedy that it's not really practical mm-hmm. in street-level work. Yeah. Right? Asking the question, is it possible? Getting them to either commit yes or no. Man, those are huge gateways. Mm-hmm huge gateways that give you the opportunity to say why yes or why no. Mm-hmm. And and then to move on to uh, cosmological or or one of the other groups that we'll come to later. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just cause people to think. Mm-hmm. Get them get them working in this mindset of even if I don't believe it's true, mm-hmm. I might be wrong. Right. Right, and so that's where I would go if they said yes, but science. Mm-hmm. If they said yes, but not the God of the Bible, um, at that point I would just ask them what they believe about the God of the Bible that makes him not that being. Right, right, yeah. right. Because at that point you just want to get some foundation for who they believe the God of the Bible is. Mm-hmm. By and large, people believe wrong things about the God of the Bible. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, and and bringing clarity to that makes a huge difference. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and like one of the things that, you know, kind of on a, a street-level rebuttal of this whole idea of this maximally great being that we've mm-hmm. been referring to, um, who is knows all things, is good all the time, and who can do all things, who's omnipotent. There is like something you might have heard, and we might have referenced this even in the past, but this the omnipotence paradox, right? So, well... You know, you're talking about this this being that can do all things, but I don't really believe that that kind of being could exist because you know, could God create a stone so big that He can't even move it? Uh. Right? Because I know. So because right, right? Because if He can't create a stone that big, or if He can't move a stone that big, then He's not really omnipotent. Here's the thing: if if anyone ever, here's the thing: if anyone ever asks you that question, it's an illogical question. Right, because that person who's critiquing the omnipotence of God is defining omnipotence. They're defining what it means to be all powerful as the ability to do something illogical. Right. That's not God is a God of order. Right. Right. There that, that that does that like they're saying like oh could like it's like saying oh well could God could God make a a square with three sides like that's stupid. That's that's, a, that's called a triangle. Yeah, it's a stupid question. It's no longer square. And I think like. With gently, with grace, sure, but let them know it's a stupid question because it's it's right. not that that that's literally just bad philosophy and like and reputable reputable atheistic philosophers don't use that argument anymore. No, they've abandoned. No, it. but people in the street will use it all the time. Sometimes, yeah. So because because what the question is doing is it's it's begging for the execution of a logical fallacy, right? And so what they're saying is. Can God make sense out of my broken question? Mm-hmm. Right? You're like, well, no, because the question is what's broken and incoherent. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you can't execute in any way yeah. a logical fallacy. Right. Right? You've given some of them. Um, another famous one that's used all the time is like smelling blue. Right. Right? <laughs> Can blue. God tell me the smell of blue? <laughs> 
right. Right. And, and at that point, you're just like, you wonder how questions like that become famous. Right. That they become the ones that people go to over and over again. You know why right? they become famous, Tim? Because too many Christians have not been equipped in the moment to answer these questions. Mm-hmm. They've not been like I think that's why it is. That's why these like these these terrible criticisms have found legs is because in so many contexts they've been used and the Christian has been dumbfounded and caught with their intellectual pants down and not able to do anything about it. Right. And so that's and, why and we're I, trying to fix. We're fixing that. That's what we're. And trying, I'm going to. I'm going to push that further and mm. say, pastors and teachers mm. would rather talk about why these things are wrong than actually teach what is right. Yeah. Right. They would rather dismiss and say, "That's stupid," and they're going to get theirs. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. Mm. Truisms, fine. Yeah. But not answers to questions in the moment, mm-hmm. equipping people to think about their faith and to answer these questions, right? Right? Maybe it's because they themselves don't know the answer. Okay, but listen, a, a huge portion of the job of being a pastor is being the resident theologian. Yeah. Right? Yep. Some, someone pastors the church that Donald Carson attends. Maybe he's the... A resident theologian there. Sure. But to be a, if mm-hmm. not the, mm-hmm. resident theologian mm-hmm. of your church is your job as a pastor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And your job then is to be a level of academic that is able and willing to research these things mm-hmm. and help your people out. Yeah, and it goes beyond mere merely the study of theology. Pastors need to be equipped in philosophy as well. Mm-hmm. Right, not that they have to be like a William Lane Craig level apologist, or they have to be like consuming these massive tomes of philosophy on the regular basis, but they need a foundation. Part of you know, part of my both my undergrad and my seminary education um, was philosophy training. Mm-hmm. Right, understanding the the like starting with like the Greeks and 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 moving forward, not just merely Christian apologetics. And Christian philosophy, but understanding, you know, the the those who've totally rejected and departed it from it, right? Like knowing right. who Nietzsche is and what he taught and how it's affected our culture, right? right. Like and, that's important. And and this is where this is where we we can as Christians fall into the thing that we were talking about last week, where where we just take these kinds of things and we throw them away without giving them any thought, mm-hmm. and it causes the world to look at us and say, "You're not using your brain." Yeah. Right. And sometimes right criticism, mm-hmm. right? God has gifted us a brain. These things, as you stated, are general revelation, right? Mm-hmm. God has gifted us with the opportunity to look into his universe, to make use of the brains that we have that are able to imagine and construct abstract concepts and come to the conclusion that he is and he is glorious. Mm-hmm. That is worship. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. This is I've I've been misunderstood a couple of times the last few weeks. Not just here, but sermon as well. <laughs> I'm just gonna make it a habit, I guess. <laughs> is scripture our ultimate revelation? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It is not our only revelation. It's not an exclusive revelation. Right. Yeah. Right. And and that and scripture God scripture itself teaches that. Right. That's what it means when it means the rocks 
will cry out, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean that if everyone stopped talking about God, the rocks are going to start talking about God. Mm-hmm. That's not what it means. It what? means What, Tim? <laughs> now we're going to get an angry email. <laughs> it means that nature itself reveals the glory of God. Amen. Yeah. Right? And yeah. even, even what we would call the mundane, the stones that make up or run along the side of the road, these things, stop and examine them deeply enough, and you're going to see the glory of God in His complexity and His beauty mm-hmm. exemplified in part mm-hmm. in this bit of creation, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so that we would be able to find God in some of these ways is worship according to His design. Mm. Mm-hmm. These yeah. aren't problems. These yeah. aren't scary things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good for us to interact. One of one of the things that we one of the things that we we really struggle with in modern outreach is our culture in a post Christian world because we do live in a post Christian world. Mm-hmm. The notion that Christian morality is universally accepted in the West is long gone. Mm-hmm. Now it is not only considered, not even considered neutral, it's considered a problem in many contexts. Uh, so in this, in this post-Christian world where the rest of the world has moved on from the idea that Christianity has something beneficial to offer, people don't want to sit at the table mm-hmm. and have the conversation with us. Right. Right? And, and that makes outreach a really hard thing for us. When we dismiss philosophical discussions, scientific discussions, out of hand, because we see that this person uses those things and doesn't believe in God. We're doing the exact same thing. Mm. We're not showing up to the table. Yep. Right? Um, and and we should show up to the table. Mm-hmm. They should be intimidated by us showing up to the table instead of us being intimidated by them. Mm-hmm. Because the difference is truth. Yeah. And that's what we have, mm-hmm. right? It takes willful disbelief to say the unmovable mover doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. All of this came from nothing. The principle, the, the root argument against cosmological argument, right? That takes willful disbelief. Because everything else we look at, we ask the question, where was it made? What's it made from? Right. Because that is how we understand the natural world. Mm-hmm. It takes willful disbelief to say that a supreme being could not exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's no, there's no logical flow. In fact, if you want to look at the... I, I would be interested in seeing a logical expression, a flow chart, as to why a supreme being could not exist, mm-hmm. because I've not found one, right? And so what is that? That's willful disbelief. That's our guy in the video mm-hmm. dismissing the concept before he even presents the concept, right? Right. So engage, yeah. learn, mm-hmm. bring ourselves to the table. Um, this, is, this is the world that we've been given, the task we've been given, and this is how we glorify God. Mm-hmm. Amen. By celebrating Him and making His name known. And if these are the questions people are asking, these are the questions we should answer. Amen. Yeah. You good? I'm good. All right.
Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. Next time, teleological argument? Yes, sir. All right. See you then. Bye-bye.